Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Charlotte. This is uh, Zorina, uh, trainer in Business with Meaning, and I'm here again today. I have the pleasure to have Charlotte Common, a happiness designer, an author, uh, a minister, and uh, just an amazing person with a lot of experience that, uh, that is the support of women of all ages. So welcome again, Charlotte. Hello, Zarina, and thank you for inviting me again to talk about a very, very interesting topic today. So yes. this today's time topic, to, yeah, mm, announcing time, time to be in creating uh, harmony within the in the office and at home. That is so important nowadays. It's yeah. So let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean, how to create harmony. Usually when we, when we talk about harmony, people think that, or it's been imposed by the outside that uh, you can create harmony within and uh, it doesn't really matter what you're surrounded by. I mean, this is what the whole um, law of attraction movement talked about. Change yourself within and your circumstances will change. But for most people, they don't. I mean, this might take years and years until you uh, practice this balance within and hope that your circumstances may change. Uh, but I actually believe that um, employers have just as much responsibility about the environment of uh, their employees as have employees about their, um, their personal life balance, about their balance within. It's a common responsibility because they help each other achieve a, a common goal or this should be the ideal. So when we talk about uh, burnout, for example, and somebody has gone out of balance and uh, usually people, although it's on the rise, <clears throat> excuse me, tremendous rise on the UK alone, I recently read statistics, it was close to 20%, 18% year on year increase of burnout between 2017 and 2018. So this is a huge number. And right now the... The UK government is implementing um, changes where they, um, where companies would, would, need, would need to spare budget for well-being, for culture, for leadership trainings. Um, it's not recommendable anymore. It's a must. So you see that there is a clear movement um, also in terms of policies, governmental policies, but somehow companies still shy away from implementing um, uh, implementing those policies and realizing that their employees are not their slaves, that they're their true resources. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm so happy that you bring this up because out of my own experiences, when I was working, for example, as a minister, um, I, was, I had a lot of work to do already and there was a big uh, area, you know, I had to serve and I was working, you know, Zarina, you will not believe it. I sometimes started at six o'clock in the morning and finished at midnight. So what I did was, I've got two dogs and I love nature. Nature always replenishes me, it always charges up my batteries. And I would walk my dogs for 45 minutes in the morning and 45 minutes in the afternoon. And my boss heard this, that I was walking the dogs. And she said, obviously, Charlotte, you haven't got enough work to do. I think I'll give you more. I said, I need this time. I need this time to recover. But she did not listen. Now, this happens in industry as well, that the, the companies are very money driven and it's all about sales. 
But what they don't realize is that actually the people who are selling are the biggest asset of their company. It's the human beings, human beings who need, have certain needs and to be creative, they need to be in an environment where they're understood and where their creativity can unfold. And I think once businesses realize that actually I'm creating something which is pro-creativity, uh, and it's all about creativity, and I'm pro-fulfilling um, potential, then actually the workers can produce far more, and they're much happier at the workplace, and they're not sick as often. Because mm -hmm. what happens when people get so stressed out, they, they become sick. All sorts of illnesses creep in. Right. And then you have to pay them, you know, because they're employed. It's, it's so short-sighted to make a company just money and uh, sales-driven. Because we, uh, yeah. And it's not only um, absenteeism. It's not that people only uh, don't show up at work because sometimes they do need to show up and they have a limited uh, number of days where they're allowed to take sick leave. But very often it's called, actually, it's a new term called presenteeism when people are present, but they're not there. Their body is there, but they're not spiritually and creatively there. So why do you need dead bodies in your company? Yeah, I love that. I love that thought because it's actually, you know, the, what the, the companies employ or create, the companies create that. If you don't have a good manager, you create robots. Now, a robot is good. But a robot only thinks so far and does the tasks only so far. But when you have a human being who can fulfill the potential and they're excited about going to work in the morning and they say, oh, we'll see what we can do together. This is togetherness as a community. And there again, I think companies sometimes fail to understand that the workers can be a community that works together. Yeah, this is the... Uh, this seems to be a, a, a major problem of corporate culture that um, these values are all communicated. We are going to do things together. This is our common goal. Uh, this is our purpose. But it's only empty words. It's simple communication that bears no, um, no implemented uh, uh, policies behind it. There's no training. There's no real backing up of these communicated values. So they're not the practiced values. Yeah. And that's a pity. And yeah. that's a pity. Because actually, you know, we're, we're basically in a contract, you know, the employer and the employee are in a contract together to, to have a common goal. And a common goal is actually to produce something. Let's say we take car production. So the common goal is to produce really, really good cars, which have, uh, which are very efficient, you know? So when they work together and they don't just see the product, but actually see the human input, how important that is. Yeah. And how, how vibrant a company can be, you know, those companies will do well and the other ones just will die. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. We talked a little bit um, before we started uh, recording about burnout and how this seriously affects um, everybody, basically, employees, employers, the whole society. Burnout is a serious topic and still the people that were never affected by it 
uh, don't take it serious. Um, it's only take. I, yeah. I was affected by it because you can imagine when you work from six o'clock in the morning until mid midnight, and then you're even told you can't take your dog for a walk because you know you should work more, and you're on a conveyor belt somewhere. And especially when you're caring, you know, in the caring uh, um, profession, like I'm, I was minister. So uh, it, it's, it's very, very difficult. So in the end, I suffered from burnout. And those who have never been through it don't understand it. Yeah? But and how, how much suffering it brings. And it brings suffering to the whole family, to the whole, yeah, to, to friends as well, because they see how the person suffers. And you know what? I think, I believe now that a big part of experiencing burnout is not only that you're overworked, it's the injustice of it all. Exactly. It's the injustice. I have also experienced it and I only realized it when I thought about the subject of burnout a few months ago. So you see, I, I'm not working in corporate already for four years. And only now I realized that I had actually had burnout. So as you said, it is, um, and I've talked to a lot of people, it's not really the, the physical work or the mental work. It is the uh, being, you being burned out. So you had fire, you were fired up about something. You wanted to accomplish something because a company had communicated a goal with you that this is what they wanted to achieve and they've given you, they've communicated with you their value of you having certain freedom and taking initiative. But then suddenly, after you've fired yourself up, you were burned down because they, they put up the, the borders and your authority, you realize, is not as communicated. So the communicated values are completely different from the practice values. So in the end, you realize that, uh, or you realize, you don't realize, but your fire is just put off. And this is what the burnout is. When somebody pushes you down, your vital energy, this is yes. being burned out. Yeah. And you know what? I also find that sometimes colleagues, for example, I mean, I was unlucky. I had colleagues who, um, they were jealous. There was a lot of female jealousy there. And then if you're not supported, so you feel there is injustice. I'm working already. I'm giving my best, but I'm not supported. I've not uh, heard. And you can look after yourself as much as you can. But if you stand against colleagues in the hierarchy who will push you and are workaholics themselves, but because they don't take care of themselves. You know, I found that in the church, for example, it was a Christian rat race. It was ridiculous. I used to say, come on, we need time to pray. We need time to have peace. Well, we don't have time to pray. Hang on a minute. You know, if you lose sight of what you're trying to do, and there's just the pressure, you've, you're not, you're, I was, or any minister who was not working flat out was not seen to be a good minister. That's absolutely crazy. But that happens in industry as well. Oh, yeah, all the time. And that is terrible. And there is the injustice. So I think the burnout happens because you're not understood. You're not listened to. You, you uh, experience injustice. And all of that burdens you. You want to do the work. You want to produce and you want to create the best for everybody. But if you come against a wall of injustice and bullying, you know, 
-hmm. Well, it's better that you just step out of the whole game, mm -hmm. jump off the jump off the, the, the board game and find yourself another job. And that's why I resigned because I think I'm not, I'm not getting anywhere here. You know, um, I mean, for some people, we must say that we, and acknowledge that they have difficult life circumstances and it's really tough to jump off ship when, let's say, you're a mother of uh, a single mother of two kids and you rely on a job and then it's hard. We can't just say, oh, this is what you do and it's all disappearing of your life. There, there are things you need to live with for a while and deal with it. And, and you know, acknowledging that it's a, it's a hard situation to find yourself in India and that it, and there is no easy solution to that. And you know, Zarina, it is actually the employers who have to learn. You know, we're teaching people individually to look after themselves and especially now talking about a mother, for example, a single mom with children who has to go to work. You know, employers need to take responsibility, greater responsibility for their workers. Yeah. Um, they, can't, they can't just say, you know, I'm paying you and you do this and this and this. You know, there needs to be a, a well-being. There needs to be welfare. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a very, very important issue. Maybe here is the, the right time for me to insert a little bit the scope of the program, Business with Meaning, that I am um, training and doing workshops on. Um, just to give you the sort of the, the framework of uh, what it evolves, revolves around, because it also touches issues like burnout. And it basically has three pillars. One of them is the, uh, the well-being of the, of the employees. So all kinds of well-being trainings, including self-confidence um, and uh, including meditation, you know, looking inside yourself, being happy. It's what you do, Charlotte. So when I'm talking about business with meaning, this is a framework that doesn't only include my work. This is work that uh, the experts that I work with also, um, also do, or they're the main um, trainers in this case. And then the second uh, pillar is the pillar of, um, of the corporate strategy, where the corporation actually finds its purpose, where it doesn't do everything on paper simply um, uh, like doing the annual strategy work and then they do a balanced scorecard that has a pillar saying um, human resources and it on, only talks about number skills and capabilities but not about uh, the overall culture and then the third pillar is actually the culture the way we communicate it's the pillar that that links the individual um, needs the individual purpose and the meaning of life, the, the life balance that you want to create for yourself with the corporate purpose and see how this all fits together. This is the culture. Do I fit in this culture? Do my values fit with the values of the culture and the way we communicate and relate with other people in a company is also defined by the culture, how you relate to other people. Because uh, if a value is open, um, open communication and addressing issues when they arise rather than wait, waiting for them to fester, then, to fester, then um, you would address this issue with the walking of the dog. For example, in your case, you would have addressed it much earlier, but this was not the culture of the company you worked for or the institution you worked for. So you see, these issues can also be solved from this communication perspective. But you see, you, you use two words, you know, it's meaning, you know, this business with meaning. That's so important, you know, and the other one is culture because they are linked. 
Because if you are creating a business with meaning to think about what you're actually producing, what do you bring out into the world and how are you going to sell it and how are you going to produce it and who is going to help you do this? So the employers, the employees, the product, that all works together beautifully or should be beautifully, that's our dream. Yeah. And we need to create that culture and bring meaning into, into this whole thing. You know, this is why I'm, I'm so excited about the work you do, you know, because you are bringing awareness to companies and it's almost like a wake up call. Wake up, wake up. You are your asset. Your biggest asset are the human beings who are in your company. Correct. Because currently at most what, uh, what companies do is have a purpose on the, on the strategy statement. Some of them don't even have purpose. They only have mission, vision, goals. At most, the companies call in uh, strategy consultants to define what their purpose is so that they can motivate their employees. But in mm -hmm. the end, a meaning goes even beyond purpose because it links the, the personal values, the culture of the employee, the, the, the personal uh, philosophy of life, the vision that they have with the purpose. Is it in line with me that I serve this group of customers? You know, mm -hmm. maybe I'm an environmentalist and I don't want to dig oil. You know, there are certain things that go against our beliefs and philosophies. Of course, this what I'm giving is an extreme example. But um, in the end, people also need to make sure that they're doing the right job, that it's not in disharmony with their beliefs. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's, and that's, that's why I feel, you know, employers have got such a huge responsibility because you can't just jump off and say, I'm not working there anymore, you know? And it is a very, very difficult decision, you know, yeah. and especially when you're older. I mean, I was 63 when I left, but it was a very, very hard decision, believe me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, everything you've explained there, it really is a wake up for call for employers. Definitely. Yeah. We, we talked about an aspect of culture, which was the constant busyness. We talked about it earlier before we started recording. And maybe we should touch it again, because this is a, this is an overwhelming and overarching theme in practically all organizations. It's the show off of busyness. The, it, not even the show off, even keeping yourself busy it becomes a part of you. It's an imposed culture, the culture of busyness. Yes, yes. It's sort of that you are seen to be a good worker if you're a, a workaholic. You know, but a workaholism, a workaholism is an addiction. Yeah. Let's be clear about this. And people who don't have a balanced life, who just work, 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 what are they running away from? I have spoken to so many men who run away to work because they've got women at home who are nag, 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 nags and say, I want you to earn more. I want you to do more. I want you to do this. Or you're too fat. Or I don't like your hair. Or I don't like the way you dress. So instead of actually looking at what's going on in my marriage, what's going on at home, that's what I keep saying. Don't come to the office and work, work, work and complain that you're tired. Go home and have a look what's happening in your marriage. Yeah. And a lot of people who are workaholics run away from home. 
They don't yeah. want to be at home for whatever reason. Mm. They don't want to address it. But you know, it's, it's, it's mm. reinforcing it. It's like a vicious circle because um, before people have separated themselves from, the, from, the, from their families at home, they were already workaholics. And this, this is what separated them even further from and took away the, communi- the, the genuine communication in their relationship. So this exacerbated the problem. It is a vicious circle. The more you work, the, the less connected you. I mean, it is in the end what you put your attention to, your awareness to. If you put no awareness at all to your relationship, how do you expect it to work? Yes, exactly. And, you know, I think there's also another aspect. Um, for example, I wanted to, apart from walking my dogs, but I wanted to, you know, do a hobby or something. There was no time for hobbies. And I think everybody needs to have a hobby, needs to have some play time. You know, there's this saying, you know, you work hard and you play hard. Mm. But if some companies or some workaholics don't see that actually they need to find balance within themselves, that they work and they play and they relax. Well, you know, it, it has to go together. The company has to make time and not uh, reinforce that alcohol, the, the alcoholism, workaholism by saying, wow, what a brilliant worker he is. He works beyond his, his time. No, look at that, the, have a holistic approach and look at it. How is that employer actually, what is that person doing in their free time? How do they recover again? Because if there's no recovery, you know, it's it's difficult, it's tricky. The the, the tricky thing is also that society holds as a value working hard. So when when they talk, when I've heard um, managers talk about employees and they say, oh, they work so hard, it's almost like a praise, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's a trophy they're holding up. Exactly. I'm running myself into the ground. You know, and I'm, I'll have a heart attack when I'm 55. There's nothing to be proud of. Mm-hmm. No, I think, you know, people who say, I'm going to work, I'm giving my best at work, but then I'm going to go home and I, I, I'll be with my family and I'll, I'll go cycling or whatever to make stay, that I stay fit, look after my phys- physical fitness and my mental fitness, because really mental fitness means that I take enough breaks. Mm-hmm. you know and 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 enjoy life but the job should be enjoyed as well that's the key thing yeah because it is a part of life but then again uh, I, it brings me to the responsibility of the employer because it is often expected that uh, you do double the work or triple the volume of work you're supposed to do because it's all about cost cutting and optimization and in the end you have no choice but you're uh, overwhelmed by this amount of work that you need to do and, and then you say okay but who's going to finish this work you yeah. know so it is also the responsibility of the employer to um, uh, stop exploiting people there yes. are other ways um, and sometimes even if you think that margins would be uh, would be cut if you hire two three people to do the job well if these people are in balance they would of course bring in more business they would perform yeah. much better. So this would offset it. Why do we need to, um, to squeeze everything and to the bone or cut it to the bone? Yeah. I mean, I look back now in my life, you know, when I was working all these hours and I think I, I felt so trapped. I felt so trapped. But the employer 
was not very good at caring for their employees. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't want to blame them just, but I mean, I'm really, really proud of myself that I've jumped off, but it was, it was, it was hard. Mm. Um, but I think there are tools and I've developed some tools now for people to, during meetings, for example, you know, where they suddenly feel stressed. There is a lot of, uh, uh, let's say there's a lot of, uh, um, tension or aggression or jealousy and people start hiding within themselves and they don't want to show they don't want want to voice their meet their meaning their, their um uh, their ideas you know because yeah. they're afraid that they're being judged and and, and 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 we all know these stresses that you sit in a difficult meeting and you not quite know how to express everything and so on and it's just this finding peace within yourself and actually stepping back and letting go. Mm -hmm. So when people are in a difficult meeting or have got a difficult boss or a difficult um, colleague, just to become aware of it and actually voice it mm -hmm. and say to themselves, I find this colleague really difficult. I find this box really difficult. I find this meeting really difficult. Because as soon as you start expressing it to yourself, somewhere the negative power goes. But if you fight against it and say, oh, well, I should like my boss and I should like my colleague and I should forgive my boss and I should forgive my colleague, you know, you're always putting the... Uh, um, you're just distracting from how you actually really, really feel. Yeah, you're not and, acknowledging your feelings. You're, yes. Yeah, yes. You mm -hmm. have to. And then just to let go. As if you were having a, a rope in your hand that connects you to that other person and you keep pulling and they keep pulling and, 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 and you, what you do is you mentally just drop that rope. Mm -hmm. Just drop it and just step back internally um, and just let it be cut loose because it's so destructive if you stay connected to another person and realize this is my story here in this company and this this is the story of my boss he's got a completely different story to mine and i think if you let go of that rope you will become aware and how, how much stress you were with that particular person. Mm -hmm. yeah, the other thing you, yeah. the other thing that you can do is that you can imagine that you are um, a pillar of light and it's something you need to practice. Just imagine a pillar. You know, sometimes you can see these lamps that are sort of like a big pillar and they're full of lights or sometimes there is water bubbling around. Really, really quite fun. And you can be very creative because that's actually what you want to do. You want to create something in an environment where you feel stuck. Yeah. So you imagine that you are in this light pillar or in this, this pillar with water and bubbles and it's something playful. And you imagine you're in there. And that helps you to withdraw from that tension, from the tiredness, from the aggression, and look at it in a fresh way. Mm -hmm. And when you practice it after a while, you realize that your solar plexus becomes, starts to breathe and starts to hear 
and that your heart starts to breathe and your heart starts to hear and look with other eyes. So the solar plexus and the heart are very, very important. And they are the first ones who close up during tension in meetings. Mm -hmm. And if you practice it at home or when you're walking in nature, and then you can apply it when you need to, you will see that your decision making becomes much better. Mm -hmm. And you will find that perhaps you, the door will open to another company or you find new ways in that particular company. Yeah, great exercise, I love it. Um, because decision-making is also, it keeps people in limbo. What should I do? Should I stay or should I go? And how should I go if I decide to go? Yeah. And the and, fear of it. Yes. Zarina, the fear that you realize, actually, I am misplaced in this company. I am misplaced in this institution. That is, it's just that there is a cultural clash. There's mm -hmm. a clash of personalities. It will not work. It will not resolve itself. Yeah. Of course you try. But when you come to that point and I can't go on, that is agony. Yeah. That is also so stressful because you're afraid. And you never think that actually what you are leaving behind is not good and that there is something good ahead of you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, now I look back and think, how on earth did I stay for five years? Because after two years or three years, I knew this is not, there's a culture clash. Mm -hmm. Um, it was very difficult. And you, you need help. Yeah, you need help because, yeah, because our personal circumstances are so different and everybody um, has such a different character and needs that it's really, I mean, this exercise that you gave applies to everybody and you can apply it, but for decision-making, um, you know, characters are so different that we need to be very careful. If somebody is very inert and doesn't take action, of course, they have to recognize this and, and realize that at some point they would need to take action. You know, uh, while for somebody who is always impulsive, to take an impulsive action and say, fine, I quit, maybe is not the best decision. So I would say, you know, um, try and take the opposite stance of what you naturally are so that you can see it from a different perspective and see if this is the best decision for you. Because if you're very impulsive, you want to wait it out and see, is this, am I uh, acting on impulse here? Is this the best decision for me? Because maybe I can use Charlotte's tool, calm down and see things from a different perspective. Yes. Yeah. I think, you know, it's very important. And you know what I believe? That the most important people in a company are the human resource people. And they are quite often, I mean, the companies I worked in, human resources, that was somewhere, duh, 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 it was a department, yeah? Mm -hmm. So the manager was very important, but actually human resources. And it needs to be somewhere an independent person or an independent uh, um, group of people where an employer can go and say, look, I'm having these problems here with my colleague or with the, with the manager. Da, 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 da. And, you know, we need to find a way through this. So you need a mediator. Right. Mm -hmm. facilitator who helps to actually bring these people together and and find a better way so mm -hmm. that people who are impulsive they don't have to leave the company but they get some help 
And then on the other hand, a person who is very shy and doesn't, doesn't want to make the decision is too afraid to make decision. But actually, the human resources department realizes there is a person who's got a lot of potential, but that person is just very shy or doesn't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, they take responsibility and say, how can we help? How can we help? Um, what can we do? I think there needs to be far more em- emphasis on human, a very, very good human resource department in a company. Yeah. And, and not only the, uh, on the department, but in general on spreading values that have to do with humaneness, being human, like oh. being empathic and, and stepping in somebody else's shoes, trying to understand rather than um, cutting somebody off just because on the surface they don't seem to fit the the company culture yeah. because yeah, there may be maybe an underlying reason behind and if you don't try and understand and maybe it needs a little tweak to make things good again from on both sides yes because imagine the costs imagine the cost for a company when when they constantly need to rehire other people that's a huge cost this is what they don't count mm. uh, but in the end to hire somebody that you think is better who might not be better at all because in the end, if somebody is better is whether they can fit your culture, whether you can get the potential out of them. And if your company is not conductive to, uh, to getting the potential out of people, then whoever you hire with whatever credentials, they would still perform poorly. Yeah. Okay. I, I so agree. And, you know, I must say, I suffered a lot when I was working and then realized, you know, there's a culture clash and so on, but you know, Actually, the work you and I are doing together, my experience is I, I understand, you know, I, when somebody comes to me and says, you know, uh, with any problems, um, I, I understand. And I think we learn through our suffering. And then we can turn it around and bring it into the world and actually help people. Uh, to lead better lives and be happier in their work. And I think that's the vision I have. Uh, and I think you have the same, of a, a workforce that is inspired and is creative and loves going to work in the morning and thinks, what can we do together? You know, and a boss who says, wow, my workforce is so brilliant. They really enjoy working for me and I enjoy watching them grow. Now that's another word. I felt, for example, I'm going back to the church well, I've learned a lot there. There was not a lot of growth happening. Mm-hmm. I was wanted to learn and I wanted to read and I wanted to grow and all this sort of stuff. And then, you know, you're told you haven't got time to read. But I, 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 I don't like being stuck. I think until the day I die, I want to learn. And I learned that from my father, who was a fantastic businessman. When I look back now, how he ran his company. He knew all the individual workers. He knew their stories. He knew where they were good at and where they were not so good at. And he helped them to grow. And my father always wanted to learn. And I nursed him when he was dying. And just a few days before he died, he said, Charlotte, I've learned something today. Gives me goosebumps now. Mm-hmm. Because he was open for learning. Now, how many employees who are so stressed out, who are workaholics, how much time do they have to, to learn and to grow 
and to evolve beyond workaholism, beyond the unhappy marriage at home, beyond, you know, really fulfill potential and not be stuck. Mm -hmm. A mind boggles. Yeah. The mind boggles of what we can achieve together if we're all willing to learn. Yeah, learning is um, also um, one of the tools that uh, one of our other experts, Michael Matu, talks about when, um, when we talk about uh, lifting yourself up from depression or from low feelings because learning is the state of seeking. When, you, when you're in the state of seeking, uh, you're open for possibilities. You're not closed. When you're in depression, you're closed. When you open yourself up, then your outlook on life opens up as well. So learning is key. Learning is key. And, and having the courage to enjoy change. I think a lot of people don't like change and they're afraid of change and they don't realize that actually in that change, there is a whole new set of, it's, it's a field of potential. You know, but a lot of people that are, are too afraid of change and only see the negative side of change. But I think, you know, when we, when we play in the field of potential, you know, when it's playing, mm -hmm. that is so important, you know. All right. Shall Everything we... is so serious. Everything is so serious in the, in the, in the corporate world. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's true. And it's life in the end. Corporations are just like small bubbles in, in, the, in the world, small bubbles of people. And, uh, you know, and we, we can change entire societies by changing these small components, small bubbles. It can start from the individual. It can start from groups of people like corporations. Yeah. But you know what Gandhi, I love the Gandhi's quote, and he says, you know, we need to be the change we want to see. And the other quote, which really inspires me is Einstein, you know, you can't solve a problem with the mind that created it. Yeah. You know, so that means grow beyond of what you think you can do. I mean, I'm now going on a completely new adventure. I'm leaving here in, a, in about four weeks time and I'm moving into an area I've never been. Yeah, I'm moving in Mauritius now and you're moving to Scotland, right? I'm moving to Scotland, yeah. yeah. And I'm moving into an area I've never been. I'm just following my intuition. Yeah. And um, yeah, who knows what life opens up there. You see, I, I have got a very curious mind. But I tell you what, I used to be such a fearful person. <gasps> I was so fearful. I was so afraid of everything. But I think I learned through meditation and um being open to life and saying no, no to employers who exploit me. Yeah. It was all through a lot of suffering, but now I've got this curious mind and think, what else can I do? What else can I do? What else can I learn? Wonderful, Charlotte. On this note, let's announce the next talk that we're going to have and leave people with the exercises that you gave them. So the next talk is uh, again from the series, The Magic of You. We have five topics so far. We've had four. And the last one is from superwoman to superb woman, excavating and releasing more treasures from within by finding balance. So we're going to be talking a lot about the human factor in companies. Also an exciting talk. The female factor. Did I say the human factor? <laughs> oh, the female factor. Yeah. 
I think I've got a nice story for you for the next one. And I think we can talk around that story um, in our next one. And I was 50 years old when I, le- I lived in Canada and I learned to play ice hockey. And that was quite something. And after eight weeks, I played in a team. And I've learned a lot there. So we can, next time we go from this superwoman to superb woman. And I'm excited about it. It's all about ice hockey. And how can we find the superb woman? Yeah, you will see. I won't say anymore. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Looking forward, Charlotte. Thanks so much. Thank you. And thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.